Welcome to the Venture Clash Entrepreneurship Podcast, where we meet entrepreneurs in the digital health and fintech spaces. Together, we'll hear real-world stories, gain practical insights, and discover the amazing things happening behind the scenes of thriving early-stage companies making their mark. It's time for the Venture Clash Entrepreneurship Podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Kenny Jang with the Venture Clash Entrepreneurship Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I'm excited because I've got Ellen Sue with us, who's the CEO and co-founder of Wellinks, a wearable health company. She's passionate about how design and technology can improve people's lives. I'm really excited. She's a graduate of Yale in Connecticut and has worked both for startups and in design education. And this is going to be a fantastic conversation today. Welcome to the show, Ellen. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Henny. So, tell us a little bit, a little bit more about yourself and your company, Wellinks. Like, what does your company do? How old is the venture? Um, where are you in the startup process? Like, how did you get involved in all this? Yeah. So, uh, my background is in design, design education. Um, I actually came into Yale to be a painter, and then got interested in human-centered design, technology, and all of that. And so, I ended up graduating with a degree that was a combination of like art, sculpture, and engineering. So that was that was fun. That was an interesting experience. But uh, I got really interested in healthcare and technology, partially through an engineering fellowship that we had the opportunity to do, where we were really able to explore uh, an area of deep clinical need. We focused on scoliosis patients and that process um, of trying to avoid surgery by wearing uh, hard plastic back braces. And so that was something that we were interested in. Our CTO, Levi, actually had scoliosis. And so that was part of the, uh, the interest there. And so you know, through that process, we really discovered that there was a very deep unmet need where kids were going into surgery who didn't need, uh, who, you know, could have avoided surgery. And so we were really trying to prevent those. And so that's actually where the idea for the venture came out of. Um, since then, we, that was in 2013. And so since then, we've actually incorporated, we've turned it into a business. We've actually started manufacturing. Uh, we made 100 prototype devices last year. We've been able to test it at New York Presbyterian Hospital. Um, we're actually in the middle of a manufacturing run of devices right now uh, for sales. And so we're making a thousand devices and we are hoping to get to sales this year. So it'll be really big. Wow, that's exciting. In fact, it's always great in Starlight when you actually have the prototype and you actually have something tangible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of celebrations, I'm sure. So, But the, I think the secret is out that the startup life is not all glitter and glam, right? I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so what, tell us a little bit about the journey there. I'm sure you've had some milestones or some obstacles or some scary moments here and there. Tell us, do you have any stories like that to share with us what the entrepreneur's life is like? Yeah. I mean, I think just in general, everything is always going to take longer than you want it to. And it's always going to be more expensive than you expect. So, you know, we've learned, we've learned this lesson. I think everybody else has learned this lesson too, is, you know, you take your best estimate and then you double it and then you double it again. And then that's pretty much where you're, where you're, uh, where you're going to end up. And so, you know, we thought we would be at sales. I actually recently looked through some of our old pitch decks. It's like, oh, we'll be in sales in 2015, at the end of 2015. Um, you know, we, we aren't too far off track and we've been able to hit most of our milestones. Um, I think part of, part of the challenging is, you know, as always is raising funding, being able to sort of meet those deadlines. Um, what's, you know, what's been really great is we've had really great partners and uh, mentors and advisors who've been helping us through that process. Nice, nice. So let's talk about that because funding, and just especially um, getting that network of support is really critical for the success of startups typically. Um, mm -hmm. What does your network look like? How did, I mean, 
Um, were you targeting specific people and reaching out to them, or did you walk into like a, a pre-built community with support? It's hard to be an entrepreneur sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, and I think it's something where, you know, because we had started this venture straight out of school, we knew nothing. And I think that was something <laughs> we were very aware of then. So we tried to supplement our skills as much as possible. Uh, what was one really great thing for us is we got to take advantage of the Yale network, which is, you know, extremely powerful. Um, the Yale Entrepreneurial Institute connected us with mentors and advisors who were Yale alums. Um, one of them has actually ended up investing in us. <clears throat> They've connected us to investors who are at you know, various investment firms um, who've been able to provide guidance to us. Um, and then part of it is, you know, being in Connecticut, they have a lot of funding available to try and, uh, you know, draw companies to Connecticut. Um, you know, the location between Boston and New York is great for us. Uh, there's also some Connecticut-specific accelerators. So we're actually part of the refinery accelerator, and they provided us with a mentor uh, who is able to help us through some of our challenges with, you know, customers and balancing all of that. So, um, you know, a lot of it is part of it was starting out with our, our network at school, but then expanding out to the local uh, networks and then really just going to events, talking to people, really trying to figure out, um, you know, who can who has that expertise that we need. So where specifically are you located now? Uh, so we're in New Haven, Connecticut. We're so actually working. New... Yeah. Gotcha. So we're working out of the uh, Yale Entrepreneurial Institute offices. Awesome. So mm -hmm. did you ever consider other regions of the country or different cities that are tech friendly or startup friendly? Uh, yeah, we had thought about it a little bit. Um, you know, we we had thought about that, I think, after we had graduated about moving um, partially, you know, hiring talent, partially, you know, figuring out where there were a lot where there's a lot of investment money. Um what was nice is that there's a lot of seed money and grants available uh, on the East Coast, and I think Connecticut's trying to uh, trying to put a lot of money into that, and so that was good for us. Um, one of our our chief medical officers in New York, and so you know we have thought about moving moving to New York, um, but then a lot of our a lot of our partners and a lot of our sales partners were in Boston, and so it actually made sense for us to be sort of in the middle between there and being able to make trips trips to both was really convenient. Nice. And so are you, you're in this digital health space. Mm -hmm. um, are you seeing other peer companies also set up shop or in, in this region as well, the New York Boston corridor? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, you know, the East coast is really a good place to be if you're in healthcare. I think if you're a software company or a tech company, uh, you know, everybody's moving to Silicon Valley, I actually moved out of there. But um, I think for healthcare, the East Coast is actually really, really great, partially because there is such a density of large cities along the along the coast. Um, and so there's a lot of hospitals and there's a lot of people that you can access. Um, you know, in New Haven specifically, there are a lot of pharmaceutical companies, and I think a lot of them are coming out of Yale. Um, we are seeing actually some more digital health companies, though. Uh, you know, there was a company that graduated a couple of years before us that, you know, we're very close to that were also Yaley's. They've moved up to Boston. We have, you know, we're friends with a couple of uh, students who are thinking about starting ventures. So I think there is that ecosystem starting to come up. That's really cool to hear. Really cool to hear. Um, so tell us a little bit more about what are you looking forward for this next year? Are there any specific real big milestones or steps that you're looking forward to, to, to achieving with the Wellings? Uh, yeah, I mean, our biggest, biggest milestone that we're looking at is just getting to sales, getting our product into the hands of customers. I think that's been something that we've been gunning for for a very, very long time. Um, and, you know, we've hit some stumbling blocks along the way, but I think we're really close now. Um, you know, we're raising the funding to pay for the manufacturing. 
Uh, what's actually interesting is we've picked, uh, we've picked all of our manufacturers and suppliers and most of them are in Connecticut. Um, and so, you know, we weren't, we actually weren't expecting that. Um, but we got connected to the engineering ecosystem in Connecticut and they were able to really connect us to, uh, you know, a printed circuit board manufacturer down in Milford, um, a medical device assembly house up, uh, in Wolcott. And so there actually is a lot of manufacturing expertise in the, in the state, and what's nice is that they were actually pretty price competitive. Um, and mm. so it, it actually ended up being cheaper than we expected. Um, and that was really great for us because now they're local and so we can actually drive up and visit them. So we get that advantage, but we don't, uh, we don't have to pay, you know, we don't have to pay out the nose for that. That must be specifically advantageous during the prototyping phase, right? Back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we have we have calls. We visited their facility. And so we're able to see, you know, what they can do. And if there are any problems, we can actually go up and see it. Gotcha. Now, what, can you share a little bit about maybe one of the biggest challenges that you've had in the life of your startup so far, um, whether it be human resources or um, IT, the, the tech side of it, or funding what what's the hardest part the the challenge that you've seen so far um so i think you know i i feel like funding is the easy answer because i think everybody has that challenge (laughs) but i'm not going to talk too much about that i think actually one of our challenges is trying to balance um trying to balance our users and our customers and all of that i think being in healthcare is a really complicated space because you have so many people interacting you have the patients you have you know in our case we're working with kids so we have uh patients and parents um, as well as the doctors, we also have the hospital systems, and you have the insurance companies, and we're also working with brace manufacturers. So there are all these stakeholders in this. Um, you know, some of them are paying for your product, some of them aren't. So some of them you have users and customers, and trying to balance all of those gets really, really complicated. And so for us, you know, it's a it's an ongoing challenge, and I don't think we figured it out yet. And that's what we're getting help with our mentors from is just how to balance, you know, things that we develop for the patients, for the kids. And that's where that's where it really came out of. That's where the product came out of. But then also balancing that with the uh, you know with the interests of the brace manufacturers and the insurance companies, who will ultimately be the ones who are, will you know push it forward and actually you know be, allow us to actually help and make an impact. Now I'm assuming the the scoliosis market is not a huge mass consumer market. Pretty small, well defined. Um, I'm and I'm assuming that your the device that you're making is somewhat costly um who's the end user or who's the end target that you're trying to really pitch and market to is it the hmo the insurance companies is it the patient the doctor the medical centers how does that Uh, work yeah yeah so um you know yeah scoliosis isn't a huge market um and so you know what we're looking at is really looking at the insurance side so what we want what we're trying to do is we're trying to prevent surgeries by helping the kids wear the brace more and also making sure that the parents and the doctors know how long the kids are wearing the brace. And so, you know, the product on the whole is essentially it's a monitor for the braces. Um, and so, you know, we develop features for the kids. So gamification incentivization, but it's really about preventing the surgeries and that saves the insurance companies a ton of money since the surgeries are extremely expensive. And so long term, we're looking at that um, as our path forward is really being able to show that our device can 
help the kids wear the brace more, which, you know, studies have shown actually reduces the likelihood of surgery. Um, short term, we're working with the brace manufacturers. So these are the companies that actually make the braces. Our device essentially retrofits on top of the brace and turns it into a smart brace. And so we're working with them uh, in the short term to achieve the distribution and to also, you know, be able to have some early results and clinical results to show that, our, that the kids are actually wearing the brace more. Gotcha. gotcha. Mm-hmm. How big is your team right now? Uh, it is pretty tiny. So we have three full-time employees and then our chief medical officer is part-time because he's uh, on the side. He's an actual orthopedic surgeon. Um, details, so, details. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so you're, you're wearing many hats at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're looking to grow your team, um, is geography one of the challenges to get to attract people into your area? Do you, or do you suspect that you're going to be able to recruit the talent that you need right in your own backyard. I think it is a challenge. Um, and I think really with the, especially in the early team members, you want to make sure that they're definitely the right people. So, you know, right now it's, we have three full-time, so it's two of the co-founders, um, but we also have one employee who's a software developer. And so we were actually able to, he lives in Connecticut. Um, you know, we didn't know him before. He had emailed us and reached out through our website. And I think he had seen it on, uh, something from Connecticut Innovations. And so he's been amazing. He actually started out doing our back end and front end, and now he's taken on all the mobile, uh, mobile app stuff as well. So he's, he's doing the work of like three or four people. Um, you know, and what actually re- works really well is that he works offsite most of the time. So he has a family. He has, you know, a real life, uh, unlike, unlike the co-founders. Um, and so, you know, he can spend time with his family and work offsite, but, you know, we know that he's working with us. And so we actually communicate using a lot of digital tools to make sure that we're all on track. Um, and so I think that's something that we're open to. It is nice to have people in the office and I think we'll, we'll try and find that, um, you know, we're always open to looking at kind of the college graduates with UConn and Yale there. There are a lot of, a lot of really talented people graduating, but I think, you know, it's, Hiring is always a challenge for startups. And I think, you know, the talent pool is a little bit smaller in Connecticut. And, uh, you know, we may have to look outside the state to see if there are people who would, you know, either work remote or move to Connecticut. Um, Interesting. Interesting. So um, Wellings doesn't seem like a name that you guys came up with that's specific for this product. And it does seem that the uh, in digital health, if you're paying attention at all, um, wearable technology, wearable health, health devices is the thing. Um, do you guys look beyond scoliosis as other markets are popping up? Is that something that's in your dreaming and planning process right now? Oh, for sure. Definitely. Um, I think <laughs> so at the very, very beginning when we you know, first had three people on the team and we were starting our fellowship, we called ourselves Spine Design uh, and we quickly outgrew that name. Um, and so, you know, we're definitely interested. Our product right now, it's essentially a smart strap. So it's a strap that can detect tension, position, orientation, a lot of other factors. Uh, we've actually been able to attach it onto a couple of other types of braces and to test out some of the functions there. And that's something that we're interested in. And we've had doctors contacting us about using it in other types of braces, um, you know, for other conditions. And it's something where it is, it is a flexible system. And I think that's where healthcare is moving towards where everything is, everything will become smart. And, um, you know, we're getting to the point where patient, uh, patient adherence, like patients going along with the treatment becomes a huge part of the treatment itself and treatment success. And I think the more we're able to actually incentivize that to actually get people engaged in their treatment, the better that is. And so, um, I think that that's a huge part of it. We're, we're personally interested in staying in healthcare, but, 
Uh, you know, we're looking at other braces that we can apply to other conditions. We are focusing right now on scoliosis to get it into the market to really test out those assumptions that we have. Um, but, you know, we've, we're playing around with the other, other braces. Um, and I think that's something that we're definitely interested in uh, down, down the line in the future once we get scoliosis out the door. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. When I work for um, a big pharma company, the, you know, compliance is one of the biggest issues and being able to apply technology to that right now in an evidence-based behavioral intervention wise, mm -hmm. um, I think is just fantastic. Uh, yeah. It's just great to see companies like Wellinks sprouting up and trying to solve real-life problems that are going to do good um, for the individual, but also for the, for the system mm -hmm. as a whole. Um, so great. It's great to see that you guys are thriving and on your way. Uh, just are you ready for a quick lightning round of questions, Ellen? Sure. So first is just for our compatriots who are in the startup digital world, we're always looking to get better and sharpen our sword in terms of productivity. Um, do you have a digital or online productivity tool that you've been enamored with recently or just, just use day in, day out at this point? Um, I really like Trello, even not even just as like a team management, even just for myself keeping track of all the tasks. Um, I really like the way it's laid out with the cards and being able to move them around. And so it, it works really well with my personal workflow. Um, and I've seen other teams using it really effectively for team management. And so I think that's a tool that I really enjoy using and also integrates with Slack, which is another fantastic yes. tool. Trello and Slack. Um, mm -hmm. Awesome. Second, podcasts just like this one, I think, are really doing well these days in the, the age of um, content binging, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, people are looking for new podcasts. Do you have any others? That other, the listeners here today that are entrepreneurs that are interested in startup life, um, do you have any podcasts in particular that you can recommend? Um, I'm always interested in learning about kind of the background of the world and sort of things that you see. And so a lot of my podcasts have to do with like design um, and those kinds of things. So I, I always have time for 99% of visible planet money. Um, you know, a lot of those. So those are, those are always fine. Mine yes. aren't as, as tech focused. <laughs> I'll have to look those up and put them <laughs> on my list. Um, and last question is if people here want to connect with you today, what's the best method for people to reach out to you, Ellen? Um, so my actually, I'm actually really bad at social media. So you should send me an email. Uh, my email is ellen at wellings.com, E-L-L-E-N at W-E-L-L-I-N-K-S.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with us. I know each minute of the day is <laughs> precious in the startup life. So it's a privilege to really be able to talk to you and see inside what's going on behind the curtains at Wellings. Um, just good, best of luck to you as you guys get to market. Um, mm -hmm. My name is Kenny Jang, the host of this show, the Venture Clash Entrepreneurial Podcast. If you have other startups that you think would be great in the interview seat here, just reach out to us at VentureClash.com. And that's also the place you learn about our $5 million venture competition that's coming up this year in 2016. Thanks, Alan, for joining us. Uh, hope right. to see you soon. Um, and take care. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of the Venture Clash Entrepreneurship Podcast. Drop by www.ventureclash.com as to learn about the $5 million Venture Clash Startup Challenge. We've set aside millions to support your innovation and product offerings. Venture Clash is also the place where you'll find the resources you need to help grow your business. Check out the contest at www.ventureclash.com today.